This morning we are talking about something that is based upon the last five years since I've been here to the Middle Tennessee area. And about two or three months ago, Julie and I were privileged to, to go to an undisclosed location in Spring Hill dealing with sex trafficking in the Middle Tennessee area and an organization that is committed to um, working on this problem that exists. And so what I'd done was I was talking to David Andrews about how we could deal with this subject matter and decided that we, you know, we don't want children involved in this particular class and I want to get as many adults as possible and the best scenario under the cur current circumstances for us to have it on a Sunday morning and maybe even get um, Mark Townsley's class from the Revelation class and, and, and have the adults from that class to come in and deal with this because it's very prevalent here in Middle Tennessee. So prevalent that I believe there may, it may exist right now among us in this congregation. That's how important this is. And so I don't know that to be the case, but the fact is it's here. It's in the body of Christ. It needs to be dealt with. And so we're going to have as many as, as can participate. And I apologize for the Bible class teachers that are going to be teaching class, um, especially with our children. But we'll see if maybe Dennis can record that class and maybe some discussion can come from this. But that said, this morning, what I'm wanting to do is, is deal with a broader subject matter, just dealing with secret sins per se. We're talking about things that are done in secret that, that maybe no one else, not my spouse, not my children, not my close friends, co-workers, no one knows about but me. And when we talk about these things, some of them... I mean, all of them are, are, are wrong, and, and we're going to lose our soul if we continue in this lifestyle. But some of them are so painful. All of them are painful in, one, in some ways, but all of them um, don't have the, the weight that some of these sins carry that we're going to be talking about this morning. And we're only going to uh, just hit the surface areas about these kinds of sins and, and just deal with the problem itself and how we resolve that problem. We're not going to try and address the specific sins themselves. And so when we talk about these secret sins, it's very important that we own up to the fact that this is a reality that exists. There is a survey called Christian Net. And those that profess to be Christians, over 50% of those who are known as Christian men are addicted. Not look at, but addicted to pornography. The Barna Group, and I know you've heard about the Barna Group, and they are a lot more conservative in their polling. But the Barna Group comes up with a 64% viewing rate of pornography. This is not worldly statistics. These are those who are professed to be very conservative evangelicals, if you will. If that's a segment that this um, was taken up. So we're talking about people that go to church regularly. They give regularly and they, they have conservative views of Scripture um, in, as far as their view of Christianity. And so that's just staggering, brethren. Uh, can you imagine, even if we may not meet that segment, that group, that if we are even representative in this congregation here, that means we've got a lot of men that are looking at and are addicted to pornography right now. 
Does that make you uncomfortable? It does me. This is reality. I almost don't want to poll us. <laughs> because I'd be afraid, you know, how many of us would raise our hand? You know, if we could do it without no one else knowing we're raising our hand, how many of us would be honest? Charles Swindoll says, this is the number one secret problem in your church. That's how the World Wide Web has opened up this whole concept of pornography. Can you imagine of all the different kinds of sins we could be talking about? He went on to say it's ruining marriages, destroying relationships, harming youth. And that's where the next one we're going to be looking at. Hurting the body of Christ. It is. Can you imagine, brethren, as we, we, we strive to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who are in this world and they're like, oh, you go to that church. I mean, you guys allow people who are addicted to pornography and just have fellowship with them? I can, I can imagine some conversations with people in the world that saying, if that's Christianity, I don't want any part of it. And of course, my statement is, we're all sinners, need to be saved, but are you saying there's stuff going on right now? Makes it hard for the cause of Christ. Or how about, as I was mentioning, sex trafficking. There are no hard numbers that we can deal with. And it's been, there have been research as early as the year 2000. As far as sex trafficking in this country. It is over 50 billion with a B dollars in transactions yearly. Sex trafficking. 50 billion. It's an industry second to none, seems like. I mean, it's just mind-boggling to have these numbers. Over 100,000, uh, Rachel Irby, she is the founder of Unchained Movement out in um, Spring Hill. She's come from the Phoenix area. After a number of years in this field of, of labor, her numbers are about 150,000 a year of children under the age of 18 who are being trafficked. Nashville, Memphis, Atlanta, and Birmingham is a part of this Southeast network. And this is what's going on. 15 years ago, as early as 19 years old, you have children that are being incarcerated as adults, girls, girls. For prostitution and not realizing their story that they have been abducted they've been coerced and the frightening part brethren is that there are men who are with these young girls let alone adult prostitutes and among these men are Christians and so we have these Johns in the Lord's church. These are our brothers in Christ, some sisters in Christ, because there are some women. That's what's going on in our country. We, we think this goes on elsewhere. The biggest day in this country, Super Bowl weekend. It's just phenomenal what's going on. We have, in addition to these... Adultery, I could add fornication, that is going on so rampantly in this country 
there's a lot of marriages where there is distrust. A lot of marriages where husbands and wives hide phones from each other because I don't want you to see my text. I don't want you to hear my messages. I don't want you to see my emails. And so we'll have our own accounts and keep separate from each other because I don't want you to know what's going on in my life because of adultery. It's so rampant in our country that now it, the idea of fornication is so common, it's glorified. and Not only just kind of not shamed upon or looked upon this way, it's glorified. You have child molestation. It's at an all-time high in this modern era that we live in. Just phenomenal. Embezzlement, fraud, child neglect, spousal neglect, child abuse, spousal abuse. All these kinds of things that go on where husbands may be abusing their wives and we're coming and worshiping as if everything is okay. Whatever these sins are, and again, I don't know what goes on specifically. I can tell you that since I've been here, I've had conversations with elders and their wives from various congregations, not just here in Franklin. And I don't know if I was just living in a bubble at South Fayette <laughs> in Fayetteville, Georgia. But like coming over here, it was like my eyes just went, wow. I op opened up to all that is going on in Middle Tennessee. From Jackson to Nashville, down into Murray County, Williamson County. All these kinds of sins. And the thing is, brethren, we have got to be able to not only recognize these things, but own up to them so that our sins can be forgiven if we're walking in this way. It's so easy for us to look at each other. We're all nicely dressed. We all have... Nice smiles on our faces when we come in and we greet each other and everything is so good. But what goes on in secret, brethren, is destroying our lives if this is what's going on with you. It's got to be dealt with if we're the body of Christ. If we look at scriptures and we see a number of scriptures, we are told that while we are made up of many, we are one body. And not just one body. This is our body. The Lord's church, brethren, is, it's not just about, well, you know, you do your thing and I do my thing. You leave me alone. You don't judge me. You don't condemn me or whatever it is. No, I'm talking about you're part of me. And I'm a part of you. We're not just brother and sister in Christ. We are one in Christ. And your problem is my problem. And my problem is your problem. And your rejoicing is my rejoicing. That's what we're told, right? When anyone suffers, we all suffer, brethren. It's not just one person's sin or a few people's sin. This is our sin. Remember when Israel was, was they just crossed the Jordan and they're going to battle, battle. They had successfully beaten Jericho. And then because of the sin of one man, Achan, God says there's sin in the camp. And they went up against Ai. And they couldn't beat Ai. Because sin was in the camp. We cannot go out 
and successfully strive to bring the world to salvation, if the world is looking and God is saying, here, you're trying to get your enemies and bring your enemies into my kingdom, I'm not with your work right now. I want you guys to take care of your house. Take care of your household, if you will. And so these are the things that we're looking at, and we need to recognize this, these secrets exist. And I, I put in question mark every congregation. I don't know if it is in every congregation. I, I, <laughs> how could we even deal with this matter unless I go and knock on every door? We do a poll, and everyone was going to be 100% honest. It took a prophet for David to admit his secret sin. And there are all times individuals that will not open their mouths until they're caught. And so, you know, we need to recognize these things go on and we know these things have gone on. We have, we have illustrations, examples among brothers and sisters in Christ over the years. These things happen. And while I'm not going to make excuse for sin, I want you to know, brethren, it's because we live in this world, we have the flesh, and many of us aren't walking in the spirit because the flesh is so strong. We have to recognize it happens. It happens. I've, I think preachers in my head that have been guilty of these secret sins. I have elders in my head that I know have been guilty of these secret sins. I have brethren of high reputation. A good name among brethren who are guilty of these sins. It's affecting everyone. We are told in James chapter 5, and I want to open up by reading this passage here in James chapter 5. We were looking at this in our Bible class this morning, and because of our study in, in the topic of love and the timing of of what I wanted to talk about this morning, I thought this would be good for us to deal with the subject matter since it'd be fresh on everyone's mind, minds. Why don't you read with me? James loves his brethren and wants his brethren to walk in the light the way the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus and wanted them to walk in the light. And he says to them, brethren, confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed in other words you're broken you're sick because of your sins but confess your trespasses so that we can pray for each other that's love that i mean think about just the weight that you have of continuing in a sin that's destroying you that's destroying possibly your family, possibly your spouses. He says, confess them and pray for one another that you may be healed. The vulnerability of opening up and saying, I'm guilty of this sin, I cannot imagine the skeletons that exist in, in our closets. I can tell you what's in mine. I've told you most, 99% of what's in mind, there are things that I've left between me and God. That's how embarrassed I am. We all have them. We need to be able to own up and confess our faults so that we can pray for each other. 
work through these sins with one another. He says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Remember when Simon, in Acts chapter 8, he wanted to have the gift so that he could lay hands on others? Peter called him saying, listen, your heart is wicked. You need to repent. Peter didn't do it because he didn't like Simon. I believe Peter genuinely loved Simon as a brother in Christ. Simon's response, pray for me. He owned up his sin because it was dealt with. Here we're told, confess our sins that we can pray and that the righteous prayers, the righteousness of these individuals who love the Lord are praying for you, it does good. But here's the problem, brethren. I have heard it with my own ears. Among some brethren, they would rather open up at a group outside of a congregation of believers. And here's the reason. I'm not going to be condemned over there. Now, that can be taken in much different ways. You know, sin is condemning, by the way. But it also can be forgiven. But if we as a body of believers aren't going to pray for P-R-A-Y versus pray on P-R-E-Y upon our brethren, it's no wonder they would rather not open up and confess their faults, confess their sins. We have got, we have got to be such a kind of body of believers and a family of believers that I can share with you my weaknesses. I can share with you my sins that I struggle with. That I can have confidence in you. And not that you would take my information and use it against me. That's malicious. That's the only way, brethren, we're going to be able to take people who are in this world and to work with them through the sins that they're engaged in. Sins that are pretty heinous. But sins that are going to be able to be forgiven. There's no doubt that with God all things are possible. But we've got to have the faith that we can pray for our brethren and work with them and that they can be truly changed by the miraculous working of God in our lives. And when I say miraculous, I'm talking about doing things that are so heinous and God can work in and transform the mind of a believer so as that person can put away that sin by the grace of God. And as Mr. Otis would like to remind me and as Mr. Will, uh, Will wants to remind me, yes, the working of the Holy Spirit who convicts us, who works with us and through us so that we can be forgiven of our sins and move forward walking in the light rather than in darkness. But we need to be able to make our brethren accountable if that's the case. And I'm going, to be, I'm going to be very open now and very honest about these situations. Because a number of brethren over the years, some of you here, will confide in your elders. You confide in certain brethren. You've confided in me. I want to say this on behalf of not just myself, on everyone's behalf. When you confide in your brethren, which is a wonderful, beautiful thing, please don't stop confiding in brethren that you can trust. While you confide in them, do not put them, 
your brothers and sisters in precarious positions. What I mean by this is that, that when you put someone in a situation where they want to help you, but they can't help you because of that confidential arrangement. That's hard. It's almost like saying to a, a child that's going to run away, don't tell mom that I'm running away. You know, I'll be living on the streets in Nashville. What do you do? <laughs> you know that if they are serious about leaving home, they can be harmed. I mean, did you not just see that 150,000 or 100,000 on sex trafficking? That's very common with runaway children. What do you do? You just say, well, I've got to keep confidence. Don't put someone in a precarious position. The flip side, brethren, is what I don't see in the body of Christ. I, for all the, in my mind, and I'm being very honest about my opinion right now. In my mind, the things that I've seen, brethren, withdraw fellowship over are so stupid in my mind. And when it comes to truly heinous sins, continue to allow, brethren, to continue in those sins. doesn't make any sense. We hope that things will change. We have to be able to have a sense of accountability so that we can work with each other because we love, genuinely love one another. It's got to be. And here's the thing. Not only does a church need to act, if, if this is you, and it doesn't matter if it's any of the lists that I have put up here or other things that I've not even put up on the board. Any sin that you're continuing in that's, that's secret, if you will, you got to think about what is it? Do you truly love yourself? Do you love others? I mean, we're told that, you know, we should love others the way we love ourselves because we typically protect ourselves. But when we're sinning, we harm the body, ours, as well as the body of Christ. You harm family members when you participate in sins. And particularly when we talk about the, the sexual sins, I mean, there's untold. I was thinking about King David. His, well, his wife, <laughs> more than one wife, concubine. When you think about his children. But what about today with the monogamous relationships that we have, the trust factors that we have? What if we neglect our spouses? Because I want to live, I want to do what I want to do. What happens when we abuse our spouses with our words, with our body language, from an emotional standpoint to a physical standpoint? How is that building up the body? Brethren, when we're engaged in whatever sin, there's, there's, there's a level of pain and hurt that we, that we put upon others. And like when we go into the jails, uh, Georgia loves saying this over and over. And, and um, I know exactly what she means by this from a standpoint of seeing it in the lives of the women that we've been working with over the last couple of years. Hurting people hurt people. Unhealthy people live unhealthy lives. And I'm talking spiritually. That happens. 
What I'd like to think, brethren, and this is, again, another opinion of mine, what I'd like to think is one of the reasons why I love this congregation, I love you so much, is there are brethren who have joined themselves here over the, the years that I've been here that feel like you can open up. We may not be able to open up 100% with each other, but I've seen brethren open up with one another and saying, you know what, I struggle with these things. Because I know that Shirley and her class back there, with talking with the women in the Bible class, women have opened up and shared with each other the struggles that go on as women. I think it's beautiful. To hear men saying, you know what, this is what I'm going through. I think it's beautiful that we can open up this way. got to think about other people if you're the one that's involved in this secret sin of yours you need to be able to understand that your soul is way too precious over a moment of worldly fleshly pleasure your soul is much too precious we're told in Matthew chapter 26 doesn't matter if we gain all this world when this life is over the soul is what's going to be important, what's going to be lasting. And know that not only does God love you, your brethren love you as well. This morning in our Bible class, we were looking at John chapter 8, and, and when Jesus was looking around at this woman that was caught in the act of adultery, he said, is there anyone to condemn you? He says, neither do I. But in a sense of accountability, he says, go, sin no more. You have to be able to take accountability to go forward. And because you would be willing to open up and share your weaknesses and difficulties with one another, what that would allow for us to say, hey, you're struggling with this sin. We'll put you in an environment that doesn't bring temptation. Or we'll help you the best as we can for that. And you do the same for me. That's how we help each other, brethren. It's true with people in the world. Why not the body of Christ? Of all people, the body of Christ should be this way. Finally, this has got to be made clear. If you're going to continue in sin, and the church knows about it, shame on us, brethren, if we're not doing anything about it. We're not behaving as a healthy body would, would do. Can you imagine having a staph infection and not doing anything about it? It's going to grow worse. It'll spread. And pretty soon the whole body is infected. We're told to live in the lump, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, so we can be pure. Not that we're perfect, brethren that we're pure as a body of believers, that we're striving to, to put away sin from among us so that we can walk in the light, so that when we share the gospel, people see what happens with the transforming power of Jesus Christ. And that we can see truly people where Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and such were some of you, I love that past tense, were some of you. I'd love for that to be said of us. Now, I know that at times we can fall back into sin. I get it. It happens. I believe that, 
I believe that we can always fall back into some sin. Just, just because Peter was, was sharing the gospel and talking about how Jews and Gentiles are one in Christ didn't mean that years later he couldn't succumb to the very thing that he was condemning. Galatians 2.11. He was sought face to face to deal with his own sin. We know that it can happen. We know that years, or I don't know how long it will go, but years or months or sometime after um, King David was guilty of sinning of adultery and of murder, he sins against his God yet again. It can happen. But do we have a good and honest heart? Do we cry out to our God and ask for his, his forgiveness? Do we open up with our brethren that we can confide in and trust in and saying, brethren, pray for me. Work with me. I, I want to grow in the Lord and I need your help. And I believe you are a godly person that I can trust that you can pray with me and work with me as a fellow brother or sister in Christ. That's what the church is supposed to be like. And that's what you should be able to do if you're involved in any secret scene. And the day of judgment, it's all going to be brought to light. <laughs> all of our sins, if we're going to be condemned. Fortunately, by the grace of God, those sins are put away and by his precious blood are not charged against us. Because through our imperfect walk with him, he's perfected us. But that's to those who are walking in the light to those who live by faith, to those who love God with all their heart, soul, and mind. And I pray, brethren, that if, you, if this is you and you love the Lord, you repent. Whether you do it publicly before us or whether you do it privately, you repent, but make sure that you walk with the Lord and make sure that you can have those that you will be able to confide in, especially the Lord himself, but put away your sins. That's the only way we grow in the Lord. Now, if you want to come into the kingdom of our Lord, he's a gracious God. He's one that forgives all your sins, not some of them, even the most heinous of them. He'll wash you by the power of his blood when you're baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins. He'll do that. When you come up out of that watery grave, you are raised to walk in newness of life by faith, trusting in his grace. That's your invitation. It's a beautiful one. You're not going to get anything better than that to save you from your sins. Nothing else can save you from your sins. And so, brethren, if you've been walking unworthy of the calling, why not change now? Make that change. Ask for help if you need. But make that change. Your soul is too precious. Do that right now. So together we stand and sing.